0: Only, good morning everybody i'd start with a, a welcome to country uh, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we gather we pay our respects to the elders past present and emerging and we ask the ancestors of this land to be with us in spirit as we seek to learn and understand to grow in knowledge and compassion uh, it's my great pleasure this morning to to welcome kim downs uh, kim is well known to you all at educate plus she's had over 30 years' experience as a fundraising and philanthropy strategist, uh, working mainly in the areas of education, the arts, healthcare and faith-based organisations. Her strength is assisting organisations to become financially sustainable through building a a culture of philanthropy. And I'm really excited about this morning's uh, session where Kim is going to, to bring to life uh, the role and the influence of women in Australian philanthropy. Um, it's going to be a really interesting session uh, coupled with some, some research and hopefully some interaction at the end. And I'm really happy to, uh, to take on board some questions and make the, the final part of today's session uh, as interactive as possible. So Kim, thank you very much for giving up an hour of your time this morning. Uh, great to see you again. And uh, we're looking forward to today's session. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much, Russell. And thank you, Sonia, for organizing all this. Now, guys, we have set this up as a Zoom meeting because I really want it to be as interactive as possible. Um, So pop any questions into the chat box and Russell will keep an eye on those and give me a hands up when I when I need to stop and pause and, and answer one. But I will pause at times just to address some of the questions. Um, it's, it's really a pleasure to be here with you today. There's nothing I love more than talking about this, this research um, project and this topic. It's a real passion project of mine. Um, but I guess you could be asking, Helen, if I can get my slides to work, there we go. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess you're asking yourself, why is this even a topic? Um, and what does it have to do with my school? Well, let me say from the start, it relates to your organization, whether you're an all-girls school, an all-boys school, or a co-ed school, or a university. Why? Because women are the mothers of your students. And as you'll find today, they are the drivers of the decisions in the household, including where their kids are going to school. As fundraisers, we have been taught that best practice and most successful fundraising results would be gained if we approached the men as traditionally they have been perceived or have been the main decision makers and main breadwinners in the household. Yet history tells us that women are a critical part of the philanthropic community. Since the 1980s, women worldwide have emerged on the philanthropic landscape as a visible and bold presence. Why the 1980s, what what happened? What were women doing before that? Well, there's, there are certainly significant female philanthropists in history, even here in Australia. Um, women have always been the caregivers, looking after the family, the community, and the problems in our society. But in the 1980s, women's role in the workforce shifted and changed, and therefore they became more independent more independent in their decision-making and more independent on how they use their money, the money that they earned, the money that they perceived they didn't need permission to use um, to, you know, of, of how to use it. According to Boston Consulting Group, in 2020, women con- women's control of the world's investable wealth reached trillion. In light of this, it is critically important to consider the approach women take to their finances and the issues that they care about most. Fundraisers who adapt their practices to meet women as they prefer find they are raising more dollars, gaining new donors, and meeting their goals faster than expected. Now, let me just pause and say that one more time fundraisers who adapt their practices to meet women as they prefer find they are raising more dollars, gaining new donors, and meeting their goals faster than expected. Now, we'll unpack that sentence as we as we go through the, this morning's presentation. So, the Lilly School of Philanthropy um, at IUPUI in the USA conducted research about five years ago Um, And that research showed that women drive most of the economic indicators. Women are involved in most giving decisions. Women do make big gifts, and they certainly give differently to men, and their motivations to giving are different um, than to men. And they have different ideas on how philanthropy should tackle problems. A few other things is women prefer stories, not statistics. They prefer to see the impact. Why why don't they give? They don't give because they aren't asked. But if they're asked, you will find that they will make big gifts. I'm sure most of you um, in your schools have committees, parents groups, um, different events, And who are your volunteers? They are the women. Men's giving is more transactional and women's giving is more relational. So these are the issues that we'll look at today's session. So why do we have to break this down to gender? Why does it have to be about gender? In philanthropy, we're finding through research in talking with women, that they just don't give to organizations because they hear it's a good organization, or because their friend taps them on the shoulder and says, "Hey, would you give to this organization?" Um, because I gave to it. Now, with schools, I, I love school fundraising because you have a you have your own audience. You have your students, their parents, your alumni. Um, And your past parents, your past board members, current board members, they're nobody else's, they're yours. So you have got an audience right there waiting to give to you. But what we're finding in the gender area is that women do research. So just because their child goes to your school or they went to your school, doesn't mean they're not gonna look into you, that they're gonna go, all right, how are you spending your money? They're gonna ask you questions. They're gonna wanna know the impact that you're having. Um, They might volunteer first to, you know, try to get to know some of the staff and to see how the organization works, how you communicate. They like to work with others to solve problems. Now you would know that with your volunteer committees. And they wanna have big impact. They don't really want the recognition. They'd rather see the impact. They do take longer to make decisions and commit but once they commit, it's up to you to lose them. So what are the, some of the myths? Now, we all know where assuming gets us, am I right? So don't assume anything when it comes to your donors and prospects. It's time to truly be donor-centric and to listen. To find out what is motivating them, what do they love about your school or your organization? Um, what do they tell their friends when when they say, "Oh, my child goes to um, Halebury? What is it that they say? Um, you know, w- what's the reaction to others, and, and what do you say to those people about, "Oh, so so, how do you like Halebury? How, you know, how's it, You know, how's your child doing? Is a personal attention? How do they communicate? All that sort of stuff. They will ask questions. You want to know what they're saying and what they're thinking. So when we look at the myths, um, the first one is men make household financial decisions. Um, now, we can all kind of chuckle with that because when it comes to buying a car, okay, the, the, the male of the household may be the one doing the negotiating, but it's you can bet that it's the female behind the scenes saying, that's the car we need. That's the car, you know that's gonna transport the kids, that's gonna suit our needs, where they live, um, what schools the kids go to, um, you know, what appliances they're buying, things like that. Women are driving those decisions. Another myth is that women don't know how to manage money. Um, I think that's, that's just a general statement. Um, you know, there's Everybody, male or female, will have strengths and weaknesses in that area. Women don't feel ownership of the family money. Now, we're going to get into that in a few minutes, too, um, so we'll unpack that in a second. Women don't trust that they'll have enough for their old age. Again, we will unpack that in a minute, and women give less than men. Um, statistically, if you, if you look at the numbers, yes, women are giving less um, than men, but if you look at based on what they're earning, women are actually giving more. Russell, so I may just pause there. Are there any questions so far?
0: Nothing that's come through the uh, the chat facility there, okay. Kim. But I'm more than happy to uh, to pause and um, and determine if there's any questions coming from the floor. We might uh, we might continue on, and okay. um, we might if there's any questions that have emanated out of that, Kim, we might get those coming through the chat box.
1: Yep. Great. Okay. So. I guess, you know, Russell introduced me, um, but you might be asking, so who am I and, and what is this project all about? Um, I've been in philanthropy and fundraising for 32 years, and I've worked in the US, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa. And I've both been both a consultant and worked in organizations. Um, and, I, and I thought it was really important to work in organizations so that you really get an on-the-ground feel of Knowing what organizations go through to to have approvals or to know what the communities really like, it's one thing for a consultant to walk in and say, "You need to do this." I'll see you next week, and to know actually um, that you can achieve those things. So I'm a learner. I, I love to stay on top of new innovative trends in fundraising, um, but my experience with women over the years always piqued my interest because they seem to be the ones leading the decision-making, yet as fundraisers, we're taught, approach the men because the men are going to make the decisions. So nearly three years ago now, I went um, to the School of Philanthropy because they were offering a course on engaging women as donors. Um, And as I did the course, I absolutely loved the deep dive into the psychology behind women's giving. I did psychology as an undergrad um, student. So of course that was like, oh, this is cool. Um, But it was really the factors that you have to consider when approaching women that really was interesting. But I wasn't sure that all the research that that they gave us in that course would translate to Australia. I was the only Australian in the room. Um, Most of the people were from the US and Canada and, um, and Canada is a bit more like Australia. So the Canadians and I were talking about, well, that might not work, that, that might work, but, but we didn't know. So what the research showed us that women are not a niche market, they are the market. Um, as I said, women prefer stories, not statistics. I've already said that men's giving is transactional and women's is relational. They want that relationship with an organization. They want to feel part of the family. Um, they need to be asked to give. Make them feel important. Um, you know, have them going home saying, you know, I really believe in this pro- program that the school's doing and I think we should give to it. And obviously, if you look at your committees, you've got more women than you do men. Am I right? Um, so all of that holds true in the Australian research. So I came back um, and, well, hang on, before I go there. Okay, let's, let's look at some of the psychology behind women's giving. So if you've got alumni, if you're a girls school and you've got alumni that um, are in their 70s, 80s, 90s, you need to look at, okay, what is it that they respect? What's their view of authority? And so their view of authority is one of respectfulness. They respect the principal. They respect the chair of the board. They respect people in positions. So when it comes to a solicitation, who are you going to take to make the ask? Are you gonna take a teacher? or the deputy, no, you're gonna take the person, the highest person you can get. They have a very practical outlook on life um, and they probably are a little bit worried about what their family might think about them giving the money. So it's really important that you take into consideration the age, their experience, where they've come from, are they an immigrant? or sorry, were they an immigrant? Um, And what's their family relationships? Um, They will be the generation that said, oh, well, my son, or sorry, my my husband went to Scotch College and giving to Scotch was very important to him. So yes, I will continue to give to Scotch. But has she considered giving to her school? You'll probably find she hasn't because she probably hasn't been asked. Um, or been told what the needs were. So it's really important to understand where they're coming from. Now, none of this should be new. Um, when, when Even as I'm saying it, I think, well, isn't that what we do? We're supposed to do with our donors is truly understand them. A lot of the times we get caught in our own narrative about, well, we need to raise money for this scholarship and this is what we're gonna do and here's what we're gonna achieve and we just need to raise the money and blah, 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 blah. And these people should give. We. It may take us a little bit longer, but we need to really understand our female donors. Like I said, once you've got them, it's up to you to lose them. So that's that's the older generation. Now, if we look at say my generation, people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, um, we're very optimistic and we're driven and we've earned our own money. So we're going to you know really deep dive and ask you a lot of questions. Um, we want we have a love-hate relationship with authority because we we want to ensure that that person in authority isn't feeding us a story or a line or what we want to hear we want to actually see the impact and then you take the the you know your newer grads well they're going to change philanthropy in a way that we've we've never seen. Um, so I think that it's exciting, and it's we're yet to see the results of that. But the, but they're really focused on issues that um, are going to make change, that are going to have great impact, that we don't have to wait three years to see that impact, that we're going to see it right away. And they want to be involved. They want to not only get their hands dirty, but they want to be on committees. They want to be part of the decision making. So. If you're dealing with the female alum or the wife of one of your past alumni who has since passed away, you need to take into account their attitudes towards money. Um, And this, as I mentioned before, is, is there's two attitudes. There's the guardianship attitude. So those are women who see their role as being the protectors of the resources entrusted to them. So maybe they didn't earn the money, maybe their husband left it to them or they inherited it from their family. Um, So they really want to to protect that money for their future needs um, and maybe for the next generation who will inherit it. So, So you need to then consider, well, who else do we have in the room from their family? when we're make, you know, asking them maybe to leave a bequest or to consider a scholarship or whatever it might be. And then the other view is ownership. And the women with the ownership attitude are financially literate with a clear understanding of their worth um, and, and how they earn that money. And they're confident in their wealth and their, their resources. And so they know what they can give away and that they want to give away. So, taking all of that, I came back here, um, and I wanted to ensure that that research that was done in the states would translate here. Um, but what I found was interesting. So, when I returned, I formulated the, the project and um, received endorsement from JB Ware, their philanthropic team, QUT Philanthropy Australia, Melbourne Women's Fund, the Lily School it, um, themselves, the Australian Women Don't. Um, Donors Network, and, and FIA. So 2020 was actually a blessing for me. Um, you know, people were around. So I was able to do surveys and focus groups online and one-on-one interviews um, via Zoom. So it was great. Um, so I can't complain. But what was the purpose of the research? What was it that we were really trying to understand? We w- I wanted to understand the role and influence of women in Australian philanthropy. I wanted to understand their attitudes towards giving and their motivations towards giving and the process they went through in making those decisions. Were they independent? Were they together with their husband or spouse? Were they um, together with their family? And then I wanted to affirm and compare the research results conducted in the States. Now, Obviously in all of that, one of the questions that I asked was, you know, what causes did they prefer? There is a lot of research also that says that um, philanthropists who donate towards women's and children's causes, that that actually in doing so and in empowering those organizations empowers more of the community and society. But I wasn't really, I didn't wanna skew the research to say, are you giving to women's and children's causes? I wanted to discover what they were actually giving to and then discover what an organization had to do to gain their interest. Um, some of you may know a few years ago, I was working at Wright and, um, Girls' School. And while I was there, I did what I called engagement interviews with all of the junior school parents as couples eighty seven percent of them took me up on it when I, when I asked them to participate. And I um, had about ten questions that I sat and talked to them about. And it was everything from, you know, what's your experience so far at the school? Is your daughter settling in or enjoying it? Um, are you communicating okay with the teachers? Is there anything that we can change with communication? Do you know where to find information? when you need it? Do you feel supported? And then we talked about their volunteer experience. Are you volunteering in it? If not, why? Um, are you going to your, your class events or, the, or school events? Um, and if not, why? And if you were asked to give, what area would you be interested in giving to? Would it be building funds, scholarship, or something else? Now, in asking that question, um, that was helping me go. Okay, here's my prospects for scholarships. Here's my prospects for building fund. Um, but a majority of them said scholarships, and a majority of the men looked at the women. And when I say majority, ninety seven uh, sorry ninety two percent looked at their their wife and said, um, up to it's up to her. Talk to her and whatever she thinks, and then, then we're happy to do. And, I, and then I asked the question, well, is that because we're a girl's school? So you're deferring to your wife? No, 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 no. She makes the decisions at the boys' schools too. Okay, great. And and I kept it really casual and it was just a chat, but it was it, it was allowing me to say, okay, we're listening. I wanna listen to you. I wanna know where your interests are and what you'd be interested in. And if, if it's not building fun, well then I'll let you know about the building fun, but maybe I won't ask you right away. Um, so, um, that was a really, really valuable exercise. So I think the biggest findings from the research was women's reaction to the word philanthropy or philanthropist. Um, first of all, saying it was hard enough for them, um, but understanding that they were a philanthropist um, was completely foreign. You know, it, I'd get, you know, from very well-known philanthropists, I would get, well, no, I'm not a philanthropist. Well actually, why do you think you're not a philanthropist? Because you are. No one seemed to, to relate to the word. It, it's like it coming from another era, you know, picture a cigar smoking tycoon or women in dresses with little white gloves um, and tea cakes. It's like, you know, way back there, the Rockefellers or the, um, you know, um, the Ford family. Women want to give back. And whenever I asked the question is, what does philanthropy philanthropy mean to you? It was giving back. I want to give back. You know, we have enough. We have to be grateful for what we have. I want everyone to learn that we have to give back. They wanted their children to be grateful for what they have and to learn to give back. So for months, I tried to think of a word that would, could replace philanthropy or philanthropists. And do you think I've come up with anything? No. Um, so I don't know if it's up to us to educate people about that word Make it more common, but it's it's just not a word that's really used. Um, so, you know, do we have a responsibility to teach people that philanthropy, modern philanthropy, is about time, talent, and treasure? Um, no matter how much they give, if they give, it's philanthropy. It's no longer a word for the elite. So let's just look at this slide for a moment. Um, So what we wanted to know was if their philanthropic decisions were were increasing, um, if they were taking more of a, a driving role, if they were being the driver of it, if they understood what philanthropy was and that the three T's were very relevant. Um, You know, I had one one lady saying, oh yeah, no, my kids, you know, they're even volunteering for organizations and they're sitting on committees and, you know, but they don't give much. You know, they're only giving like $50 because that's all they can afford. They're uni students. Um, But, you know, so so one day they'll be a philanthropist. I said, well, no, actually they really already are. They're already living in that little world of philanthropy and they're giving those three T's. Um, and, and you could see the whole posture change in people when you, when you would tell them that. So even though that they, they might not relate to the word philanthropy, when you gently talk to them about it and tell them that they're a philanthropist, they go, oh, okay, maybe that is a little badge of honor, but, but I, I don't wanna be recognized. They're very humble and quiet in their giving. Um, they, they would prefer not to be recognized. They preferred to see the impact and to have that scholarship recipient, you know, come to the school and, you know, live their dream. When we talk, uh, I think I'm jumping ahead of myself here a little bit. Okay, so (laughs) um, the findings from the Australian research was, okay, that whole thing about philanthropy, the word philanthropy. So, like I said, women are humble, quiet, measured, and very thoughtful about their philanthropy. They don't want to be recognized. Um, You really need to ask them how they would want to be recognized or what you could do to thank them. So in the survey or the research itself, 75% of women who participate in this survey want to understand the needs of the community and do something about it. So they want to be educated. They don't know what they don't know. And if you don't tell them, how are they going to know? 60% 60% of women surveyed were introduced to philanthropy by their family, 25% by volunteering, and only 1% by giving circles. Giving circles are growing here in Australia. Um, they're, they're still relatively new. Um, I was actually amazed at how many people didn't know about them. Um, but I guess, you know, I live in that world. So to me, it's, of course, I know about them. But but taking into consideration that 60% of Women were introduced to philanthropy by their families, you know, really shows that philanthropy starts at home. And we model what we want our children to learn in every aspect, but especially in this area. 77% of women surveyed indicated that they model or guide their families' philanthropic giving. So huge um, statistics. 77%. Said they model or guide their families. So if they weren't doing it, who would? Social responsibility and compassion were the two greatest learnings women want their families to learn. And over 70% of women surveyed indicated that they volunteer, but less than 40% of them sit on boards. Hmm. I'll leave that one with you. What motivates women to give? Well, 50% indicated it had to be something they related to personally, and 30% indicated it had to be a cause-related. It had to be cause-related. So, you know, like a crisis, bushfires. Okay, Um, okay. So, children in education. Were right at the top of the priority list for women when it came to their giving, giving up their time, their talent, and their treasure, treasure. so children and education. So as schools, you pretty much fit that bill, don't you? So I ask you, all those women who are parents on your committees and helping in the classrooms or, you know, um, helping with events, do you look at them as just stay-at-home moms with time on their hands? Um, or are you looking at what else they could actually do um, while juggling everything else? Are you recruiting them for your committees or, or your boards? Are you valuing what they have to offer? So the differences, the main differences in the research showed that Australian women do not talk about their giving. Um, you know, I had one very well-known philanthropist who said, "You know, um, yeah, no, my husband and I talk about it. We sit down with the kids and we tell them what we're doing, um, and get their opinions. And they know what where we're volunteering and spending our time. But I couldn't tell you what my siblings do or what my parents do." I said, really you know, why is that? Why don't you talk about it? Well, I don't really know. Um, do, do they know what you're doing? Well, not really. Okay. But, you know, so the whole notion of talking about it is not something in our culture that we do. Um. Again, another thing is women aren't concerned about recognition. I probably can't say this enough. I know I've said it about four times already, but um, They're really not in it for the recognition. They just want to be informed. They want to see the impact. They want to know that they're helping make change and make a difference. One of the surprising facts was the deep dive that they really do into organizations. Um, Now, that didn't come out in the US research really at all, Um, but Australian women really ask a lot of questions um, they they are very concerned about organizational waste. They're concerned about their money doing exactly what it's meant for. They're concerned about you know one of the one of the things for you to consider is um, you know brochures and you know direct mail and all that is a lovely thing to do and we have to do it to a certain extent. But the number of women that said to me you know, I do not give to direct mail because I just think it's a waste of money. And if they put in, um, you know, stickers and pens and things like that in it, or, or extra little um, gifts, she's like, then I feel like I have to give just to cover the cost of that, because I feel like it's a waste of money. So they're really looking at us as fundraisers critically in terms of, well, Are you developing a relationship with me? Are you spending the money the way it's meant to be spent? Um, And are we doing things that are really gonna have impact? So just always remember that that women are humble and quiet in their giving. They want to be listened to. They've got great ideas on how things can be solved. Um, They don't want recognition, they want results. So use your committees and your groups as think tanks. Remember when you seek advice, you receive money. When you ask for money, you receive advice. I bet if you were to do a survey, you'd find that women respond more to appeals for scholarships than for building funds. Now, I did that little work at Wrighton with the junior school, and I certainly found that, even though, I mean, those were parents whose kids still had a long time to go in that school, and they weren't concerned about the buildings. They were concerned about scholarships and and valuing education and that other girls had the opportunity to receive an education like they were able to afford for their kids. You know, I'll never forget um, when the Royal Children's Hospital was was doing their big appeal um, for the new hospital. We had a group of doctors um, in, in a bit of a think tank in a focus group and the doctors said, you know what, this is all ridiculous. Give us the equipment and the staff that we need and the researchers, put us in a tent. We can do the work there, but just give us the equipment. So big flashy buildings um, may look impressive and, and be really nice and set that tone and atmosphere. But it, it's when it comes right down to it, especially for schools, it's the education that they're receiving. And are they, you know, do they have access to the resources? So women are really inclined to look at things from that perspective. Um, so so please keep that in mind. They prefer to collaborate. Rather than to act as individual philanthropists. Like we said before, they, they respond better um, to appeal, appeals that are helping others rather than appeals, you know, oh, okay, it's tax time, we better give so that, you know, we've got a tax write off. Um, okay, how are we going, Russell? Any questions?
0: There has been a question um, just in regards to younger women.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so, if you wouldn't mind uh, referencing that um, in the next little while, um, okay. Just engaging younger women in 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 the philanthropy space. So I think what's really evident that's come out of this this morning um, is speaking about perhaps the, the older women that they don't require recognition uh, they want to see results obviously they're very interested in scholarship and, and, and building but I wonder if you might have any um, any advice for us or any research in that space of the 20s and, and 30 year olds
1: yeah the um, you know the 20 and 30 year olds are an interesting market in terms of right now when they're either still in uni or um, just starting their first job setting, you know, maybe in a relationship, setting up the family. So um, thinking back about their school, we really have to have an enticing way to get them back because what they're focused on is the environment um, and and the world that we're living in to make sure that there's still a world to go to. Um, I didn't specifically in the research ask that age group um, in terms of you know, schools and things like that of of how to get them involved. But I think what you need to be doing with them is being seen as being relevant, um, and they need to know that what you're doing is going to help the next generation, um, especially with the private schools. You know. We pay big fees for private schools. They may be a little weary that they might not be able to afford that for their kids at this stage until they're established, more established and feel a bit more confident about that. Right now, um, if you can get them back and engaged with students and keep that relationship up, that's your best bet is, is just to keep engaging with them at their level Now, we've all been taught, you know, you need to segment your your database and do the communications properly, but we seriously need to, not just say we need to. Um, We need to look at that generation and and talk almost at their level and say, yep, okay, you know, this was a really tough year for our students. Can you imagine if you were in year 12 and, and you had to do it over Zoom and you didn't have access to those teachers? And so really talk to their level. Um, and be focusing on things that they feel is important. And what they feel is important right now is the environment. Um, And so what are you as a school doing to teach the students about sustainability? Um, And and don't, the thing with the the millennials is they don't respect authority. Um, they, They are polite. They want to be included and inclusive. They're very determined and they're hopeful. So the best person to talk to them is, is somebody at their level, um, or even somebody below them that's maybe still a student that says, you know, what if it weren't for this school? I, you know, they saved me. It wouldn't be, for, you know, if it wasn't for that bursary or that scholarship. I would have had to drop out of school because my parents lost their jobs last year. Um, That's what they will relate to, not something from the principal or the chair of the fundraising committee or the chair of the board. They're gonna go, yeah, don't, don't know, don't care. They want that real story. Hope that answers the question. Okay. So when putting together your strategy, um, like I said, use your committees as think tanks, go out and talk to them about, well, does this, does do you relate to this? Does this talk to you? Does this speak to you? Um, does it meet your needs of, of what you're thinking we need? Um, you know, too often we get, like I said, lost in our own narrative and, and what we want, but we're not looking at it from our prospective donors or our constituents point of view. so we really need to, to get them involved almost as if you're doing you know what you would do in a planning committee with a capital campaign and getting people involved in you know in jumping on the bandwagon and saying yeah that, that's really good oh I like the look of this or the sound of that or the feel of this you, you need to do that more um, you know even if it's you're drawing some people into your office to say hey you know I'm thinking of this, what do you think? it's constantly seek advice um, you know, in that positive way. So personalize your approach. Um, do you have a, a meaningful stewardship plan? I'm amazed at the number of organizations that don't have stewardship plans. And to me, that's, that's step one before you even start fundraising. Understand their motivations for giving. So look at their background. Do your research. Find out, you know, is there a family history with your with your school? Um, were they migrant migrants? What did they have to go through to go to your school? What have they done for their grandchildren? All that sort of thing. Find out um, what their background is. Um, Bring the female donors together to celebrate what's been achieved. Now, that's kind of almost like a little giving circle in that when you bring people together to celebrate, they look around the room and go, oh, I didn't know you were involved as well because they're not talking about it. So if you do that, maybe they'll talk more about it. Make sure you're providing that impact, that evidence on the impact of their giving. Make sure that you're not asking all the time, that every conversation should involve an ask. Now, you know that already. So I'm telling you stuff you already know. But when it comes to women, again, treat them as a family member. That's what they want. They want want that relationship and they want you to be transparent. They want you to be real um, and straightforward about what you're asking. Um, Now... One of the funny things is if in that direct mail, or if you're sending, you know, your annual appeal, who's it addressed to? And if it's not including the female in the family, guess what she's gonna do with it? Right away into the bin. So you need to make sure that that they're included. And that's that should just should be 101. Now, a lot of schools are doing giving days um, and, some research has been done on social media, and women are the ones engaging in social media the most. So make sure that your communication is is relating, you know, that they can relate to that. Um, really think out of the box on how you can engage your younger alumni, your older alumni, in different volu- volunteering opportunities. Um, you know some schools are are doing fantastic programs where you know they get their year 10s together and they get alumni to come in from all different generations to talk about you know their journey into their career and how it's okay not to know what you want to do and even when you go to uni and you come out the other side and you go well that's that was boring i don't don't really want to do that so you know get them involved in stuff that that, relate, that relates to the students and involves the students because that's really where you're going to get them involved. Um, they love that. Um, and of course, this doesn't mean you just approach women, you approach the couple. You don't approach just the man, you approach the couple and you find out, you ask. So who who should I continue these discussions with? Because I don't wanna bother both of you unless you want me to. Who's gonna make the philanthropic decisions? Don't be afraid to be upfront and ask those questions. So ask yourself, are you bringing women together to solve problems at your school or just using them as volunteers and to organize events? How many women are actually on your board or on your major committees? Are you putting together your solicitation strategies um, for focusing, you know, with a slant towards the male or the female or the couple? You know, when you sit down and you hear, oh, you know, so-and-so just joined the school and, you know, he works in this job. Great, okay, so what are you doing? You're doing all your research on him or are you looking at her too? And then are you approaching them as a couple? And are you really emphasizing to your donors the impact their donations are having and what you were able to achieve? Okay, so here's your to-do list. (laughs) Make sure you ask questions. Be upfront, be honest, um, be transparent. Make sure you're listening to them. Find out what's motivating them to give. You know, ask them, so, so what organizations do you, do you contribute to? Who do you like to support? What other organizations are you volunteering for? Um, oh, you're volunteering for the ballet? Oh, I didn't know you were interested in the arts. Well, did you know here we're doing this arts program? So have a conversation. Again, take into consideration the life experiences of your female constituency. And consider what is important to them. Always consider what's important to them. So thank you to everyone. Um, I hope you were able to take a little, you know, tidbits out of today. What I really wanted you to take from today was to to really become donor centric and to understand that women are driving philanthropy in their households. They're teaching their. Their, their kids about it. If they're giving to your school, you want them to talk at the kitchen table about that. You wanna say, we just gave to the scholarship fund because what's that, what that is doing is planting the seed in, in someone who will soon be one of your alums um, that, oh, well, my parents gave to the school. So mm, maybe I should give to the school too. So it's, it's all about um, knowing what's important to them and knowing the psychology behind their motivations, um, what they're worried about, what they're not worried about, what they respect, and, and really taking that into consideration when you're putting together your strategies. So thank you very much. Um, if you've got any questions, please pop them into the box now, or um, you know, Sonia, do you want them to take themselves off mute and people can ask questions? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Feel free to yeah, take yourself off mute and ask the question or post on the
0: chat tab. There are quite a few observations that, have, that
1: are coming through, really, aren't there, Russell, okay. People making their own comments on what they've experienced? Okay, good. I can't actually see the chat box.
0: A lot of positivity here, Kim, for you. Obviously, oh, Dan, you've got infatuated the crowd here this morning, so congratulations <laughs> on, on that. But um, uh, a couple of great comments here. I'll, I'll refer to Jane Harris's comment. I think it's a great, uh, great one to... Uh, to open up there, Jane talks. Jane has worked in girls' schools and, and is now working at Western Health. And the, one of the programs that's working for Jane is a, a women's giving circle. Mm-hmm. Um, Jane doesn't work with a wealthy community; however, it's a, a committed and concerned community who want to transform health in the West. Um, and it sounds like that uh, that women's giving circle there, getting women together, is uh, is having a really positive effect in in that space. Kim, have you had any experience in in that with some of the donors that you've worked with?
1: Absolutely. You know, and it's exciting, Jane, that you brought that up. I'm a member of the Melbourne Women's Fund. Um, And, you know, we just had an event last week, the first face to face in 18 months. So that was exciting. But you look around the room, and you know that everyone's giving the same amount. But you look around the room, and you go, oh, I know she's got way bigger capacity than I do. Um, But you know what, you're all there for the same cause and, and giving for the same thing. And I have seen a lot of Schools and other organizations forming giving circles within their constituents. Um, you know, you might have, you know, 10 years ago when I was at Genizano, um, I, I know I had a group of women that really wanted to make sure something got done. Um, and so they came together and raised money to do that. Mind you, the Father's Association at Genizano has done that too. They wanted, you know, this beautiful outdoor area for the girls at the new arts center. So they came together and raised money. Um, now they all gave different amounts. So it's not really the concept of a giving circle and a giving circle is where you all give the same amount. Um, so I, I think the concept is already there. So we as fundraisers just have to kind of go, okay well, if we were to form a giving circle say within our alumni, um and everybody gave a thousand dollars we could do achieve this in scholarships so yeah absolutely i think i think that's an exciting area for us in the future
0: kimmy um anything uh that you can share on on bequesting both from um from uh single women uh, perhaps widows as well um but also women who uh have their husbands uh, still alive is there is there anything um in that that um obviously uh, as opposed to a family bequest an individual bequest from a from a female to an institution that you, you've uh, you've been able to to find in the research at all
1: um women want their family members involved in their decision making so if their spouse is still alive, when you go to meet with her, have the spouse there so that they hear everything and that they can then have the conversation about it. Some may want a daughter or a son also involved. When you have your bequest functions, make sure that you're saying, you know, if you have a carer or if you have, you know, a spouse or, or somebody you want to bring with, bring them with to the bequest function um, and and celebrate what a bequest was able to do. So if you you go and you know you you're having coffee with one of your alums um and she has her husband there, you know, talk about what a bequest has done for the school and say, wow, you know, we were able to put 20 girls through scholarship program and, you know, what is it that what is it that you want your legacy to be? Again, make it about her. What is it that she wants to do? Um, you know, what is it that she wants to leave behind? And yeah again it's it's listening Russell um and it's making it all about them but making sure that they feel that that you're allowing others to be involved in their decision making so that they don't feel alone that they don't feel like oh my family might get mad if I do this no the family was there they heard they're endorsing it some women will say oh well my husband's no longer with us, but we've left a bequest to Carrie, because that's where he went or to, you know, Xavier, wherever. Um, and I still give to their scholarship fund. Oh, okay. Well, we've got a scholarship fund too. Did you know about that? Oh, no, I didn't know about that. Okay. Well, you know, is that something you would consider giving to? Um, oh, well, I don't know because, you know, so it's it's really just working gently through with them what they want, what they want their legacy to be. What they want to achieve.
0: Well, thank you, Kim, uh, and also thank you to uh, the VicTas chapter who have uh, who have um, uh, considered today's event and uh, and and put this on. This is a tremendous uh, initiative by by them and, and all at Educate Plus. So I thank you. I thank Sona as well. And uh, Sona, I might hand back to you now if there's no further questions to, uh, to wrap up today's proceedings. But it's been great to see everybody. Uh, and thank you very, very much for your uh, attendance here today. Thanks, yep.
1: thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day.